Welcome to episode 79 of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Philip. Uh, we had an interesting week of racing. We had Laguna Seca. We had Bristol. Uh, a lot of action there. Of course, uh, in the other sports like the NFL, Jags fall to 0-2. Uh, 49ers, uh, I think they're 2-0 as, uh, as well. And it seems like that's good for you. We'll talk about fantasy and all that stuff. So uh, glad to talk about it. Absolutely. We'll get into Josh's sim exploits as always uh, before we close the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about Indy cars last week at Laguna, second of three weeks on the West Coast, which saw uh, saw Colton Herta dominate at, Herta, at the Herta Drome, it seems like. Since we're going to Putin Drome for Formula One, we'll be previewing the Russian Grand Prix where um, um, Egghead will feel at home or be at home while driving in the back. We'll preview that. We'll review IndyCar. We'll get into Long Beach and the championship battle. That'll exist for three drivers, but mainly two. We'll get into NASCAR. Their Cup Series is moving on to the second round of the playoff. Uh, they raced up Bristol and eliminated four drivers. Larson wins again. whoop de doo um, there was other stuff that went on around that that allowed uh, Larson to win. Um, we'll get into that with uh, Clyde and Harvick. Uh, there was a wreck at the end of the Xfinity race, which saw AJ Allmendinger win and then win the regular season title in the process. It was interesting. And then uh, Truck Series also ran there. Uh, we'll get into the roundup with MotoGP, Moto2 at Misano. They'll uh, Indy Lights at Laguna, which was interesting this past weekend. We'll preview F2 and F3 at Sochi, so it'll be a regular weekend, unlike what it has been for most of the year. All three series will be at uh, at the Putin Drome. Then we'll have World Superbike Review at Catalonia, Bereth this weekend, F1 IndyCar NASCAR, talk about football, and uh, we'll go from there. So... Indy cars, of course, uh, Laguna Seca, one of the classic circuits for um, Indy cars and sports cars, whatever, a great place for uh, racing in general. But it's a great place for the Herta family, uh, two-time winner at, at Laguna Seca was Brian Herta in his career after um, famously getting passed in the corkscrew by Alex Zanardi. And now his son is a two-time winner at Laguna Seca and actually has passed Brian Herta in wins. A dominating performance, 91 of the 95 laps led by Colton Herta, led every practice. It was basically a grand slam. I don't know if they do keep track of those stats, but I think he did have a grand slam in this in this race i I would venture i would i wouldn't be going out on a limb and even if he didn't well it wouldn't know who somebody probably polo or roman grosjean who were the guys that were up there uh would have probably been the guys to do that uh colton herta alex polo roman grosjean your podium roman grosjean was the only person that i think was passing the whole entire day really Uh, or i mean it's it's Wrong to say. Colton Herta drove away, but Pelot gave him, he made him work. 
even though he didn't get there. Grosjean, amongst many in the midfield, or even everybody else was kind of having to pass and make things happen. A little bit of argy-bargy went on here and there, but, you know, Roman Grosjean proven once again. Uh, fresh start in America. Um, his family's going to move here now that he's going to be a full-time IndyCar driver next year, more than likely in the 28 car for uh, Andretti Autosport. Green Rehaul uh, finished fourth. Pato Award fifth. Marcus Erickson, Joseph Newgarden, Simon Pagano, Oliver Askew, who started fifth in the Ray Hall Letterman 45. And Ed Jones finished 10th. Uh, Scott Dixon was eliminated from title contention, which is rare, of course, for Scott Dixon. Um, Erickson also was. I mean, it was kind of really a miracle scenario for him to even stay in it. But even with the sixth-place finish, he is eliminated, but he will have a great finish to his um, this IndyCar season. Alexander Rossi got, in, got into it with Herta, spun out, and uh, never was a factor after that. Will Power had issues with um, engine um, engine quitting and uh, didn't had a poor finish after also being in the fast six. So, yeah, Colton Herta domination, uh, but it wasn't. It was a pretty interesting race. A lot of strat was going on with different with different tire calls, different force pit stop strategy, three pit stop strategy, the whole bit, Josh. So there was a lot to keep track of, but in the end, it was really all about Colton Herta on uh, this past weekend. I mean, it was all about Colton Herta, just the dominant weekend. Like you said, he had, I mean, it's basically about as perfect a weekend that you can have uh, in IndyCar racing. But one thing on Colton Herta's season, I mean, he won – earlier this year at St. Pete, which I attended and saw, and that was another dominating win uh, there. Uh, he had a chance to win at Nashville, but crashed out of that race. And then, of course, uh, at Gateway, he had a really good car there and then had engine trouble. Um, so if he had been able to win those two races, uh, he could have had four wins on the season and probably would be right in the thick of the title battle. And, I mean, probably would be the points leader, if anything, uh, I mean, I think the wins would definitely balance itself out, although he has had somewhat of an inconsistent season and, you know, those uh, failures uh, that I just mentioned are part of that. So that's um, something you have to think about the, the what ifs with Colton Herta. And certainly if he's able to put together a full season, he could definitely be a really dominant uh, driver in this series. And uh, we have to see uh, that's going to be a storyline, I guess, next year is if, you know, at least one of the injury teams can put together a full year. Um, and then I think also throughout the, this race, I mean, the other star of this race was Romain Grosjean, like you said, and he was really the only guy that could make any passes. He was making passes in the corkscrew, you know, as Paul Page said, uh, a place that you would not normally try and pass. Uh, and he was able to pass uh, Scott Dixon there. He was uh, trying to pass Jimmy Johnson there uh, at one point, and he was able to move his way through the field and uh, end up in third and talk about another guy that could possibly be going to Andretti next year, replacing uh, Ryan Herter Ray. You know, if he's able to uh, get into a full-time ride, I think uh, you're going to see a really uh, surprise driver on all these. I mean, well, he's not really surprised, but um, I would say for Romain Grosjean, uh, probably an underdog uh, con uh, title contender, definitely somebody that uh, could 
probably he's shown that he could uh, potentially win a race. He hasn't yet, but he's had three podiums this year and certainly has uh, the uh, drive to uh, be able to potentially win a race. So I think he could be at least a top five points title contender uh, if everything goes right for him uh, in a full-time ride next year. Um, but then, you know, also mentioned Jimmy Johnson is a best career finish uh, in IndyCar so far. And he had his own uh, corkscrew pass of his own with uh, James Hinchcliffe. Uh, so a lot of positives there for uh, some of the IndyCar rookie class. And of course, uh, Colton Herta uh, going out and winning the race uh, and just purely dominating like that. But yeah, I mean, the other fact of this is uh, that Alex uh, Pelot finished second and continued to extend his uh, title uh, lead that he has over Pato Award. And even though Pato Award finished fifth, you know, like I said in the preview for this race, like, if he uh, didn't win the race and if Polo was also in the same uh, positional range, uh, it wouldn't really make any difference in the title fight. And in fact, it didn't and it got even worse. So I think going into uh, Long Beach, I mean, it's pretty much almost all but uh, one for Polo. just has to go out and not make any mistakes uh, in that race. And then uh, I think Pato Award's only chance is if uh, Alex Polo has like some kind of catastrophic failure uh, in the race and he or, or he gets taken out or something like that. So um looks like it's going to be Pelot's title, but you know, there's always that outside possibility that Pato Ward goes out and uh, wins the race or something, and Pelot has some kind of uh, uh, accident or failure. So uh, going to be an interesting conclusion to the IndyCar season, but you know, it's definitely a very competitive one that we've had. Yeah, and it's it wouldn't be an IndyCar season without the championship coming down to the final race. Uh, NASCAR has to manipulate things to have a final race championship. IndyCar doesn't. Uh, I don't know how many years in a row it's been where this championship has come down to the final race, albeit the way the points fall out, as Josh said, it's going to be very difficult for um, Paddle Award to get this championship. Um, you would, as Josh also said, it would basically take what happened at the Indy GP uh, in regards or at gateway to have like either catastrophic engine failure, like he had at Indy GP or get taken out like he did at gateway. And then we might have a discussion, which in turn might also open up the discussion for Joseph Newgarden, the two-time champion who's still alive mathematically, but basically would need a miracle, uh, need the qualifying points. You need needs to pull needs to probably get everything, get the whole bit fastest lap, the whole whole thing, every point he can get. Uh, essentially what Colton Herta did last weekend with help. That's the only way he would have a chance to win his third IndyCar championship. Uh, but we will get into that in more detail later. I mean, other standout guys, though. I mean, Ray Hall's had an, an interesting year. He's basically the best of the rest to be. I mean, I think the 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 McLaren team has taken that step with Paddle Award. They're not. I don't consider them a smaller team anymore. McLaren is basically fully vested in there. It's their team. They're a team that's winning Formula One in Formula One again, getting involved everywhere, and you have a stud in Paddle Award. Other than that. You know, you have Ganassi, three Ganassi cars, uh, a Penske, and an Andretti car. Ray Hall's the best of the rest. He's ahead of two Penske guys, one that's not going to be there next year. And then Alexander Rossi, of course, Andretti car. Um, 
you know, so big deal. He's had a good year. He's had some rough runs that probably took him out of a better position. It's the same thing with Colton Erd. I'm just looking at his stats, um, courtesy of Racing Reference. Uh, you know, Birmingham, uh, uh, Baba got involved in a wreck early. And then you look, he had issues that he had an issue in Fort Worth uh, with brakes. And you look at uh, some of these other races. He didn't, he was outside of the top 10, three races in a row. Uh, Indianapolis Grand Prix, also the 500 and the first race at Belle Isle. Mid-Ohio, he finished 13th. He gave away the win at Nashville gateway drive shaft while leading so i mean those you have three five finishes outside of the top 15 um you can't do that in this series and expect to win a championship uh i mean he's building on it though to be fair to herda considering how the experience he has and all that stuff i mean you look at Ray Hall in this case, he's got one of his better averages, not his best average. I mean, in he had his best average finishes in the 20 from 2015 through 17 when he was winning races every single year. Um, he finished fourth, fifth, and sixth those years. Since then, he's kind of been in a slip, but now he's getting back in the groove. Qualifying is kind of a, a, ma- is a major weakness, which is part of the problem. His average finish, though, isn't bad. Um, to be fair to him, considering where what his team is, uh, where his team is at uh, relative to the other ones. Um, looking at top fives, top five, a lot of top five finishes. Um, the gateway result where he got wrecked early um, was a dagger along with the crash at Indianapolis um, in the 500. Those, while he had a car to, that could have possibly won, those two races, along with St. Pete, were probably races where he'd want to we'll look back in regards to his point standings and uh, what might have been in regards to the 2021 IndyCar season once we get past uh, the Long Beach Grand Prix here this coming weekend. Uh, NASCAR was at uh, Bristol this past weekend the bristol night race and it did it delivered it always seems to um it proves once again you don't have to put dirt on it uh, but the top seven were were in the chase eight of the top nine uh, what is it uh eight of the top nine ten of the top 12 were chase drivers so larson ends up leading the most laps 175 and gets his sixth win of the 2021 season. Clyde led 129 laps, ended up uh, finishing three laps down in 25th, but he played a role in the finish. Um, You have guys uh, that were involved in stuff. Chris Bell uh, was seven laps down. He had issues, but he was able to advance. Uh, the guys that didn't advance were McDowell, Kurt Busch, Eric Almirola, and Tyler Reddick. Um, so that was a tough deal for those guys. 
Um, they should just reset their points back to where they were. I don't understand the stupidity of how they set the points up. It makes no sense. Um, but, you know, if you're, you suck, you suck. You shouldn't be able to just get, well, that's a discussion for another day, I guess. But Larson wins over Harvick, William Byron, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, giving Hendrick three of the top five. Keselowski, Truex, Eric Jones starting 22nd, finishing eighth in the Petty 43. Hamlin, DiBurrito, the top 10. Logano, 11th. Reddick, Briscoe, Ross Chastain, and Austin Dillon, the top 15. Uh, other guys, you got Bubba, Priest, there, there's Al Merrill and Kurt Busch, O. Richard, amongst other people. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Hendrick, it was a Hendrick benefit of sorts, uh, but there was a lot of other Penske guys up there that had some speed. You had Gibbs guys that were up there, or at least in the case of, of uh, Denny Hamlin, he was up there early. But in the end, the two things you take away are Kyle Larson gets yet another win, um, and in turn also uh, Chase Elliott, and uh, Kevin Harvick uh, racing that involved that ended up with Chase Elliott spinning out, getting damage, um, getting knocked out of the possibility of winning, and then in turn blocking uh, Kevin Harvick to allow his teammate to win, and then the ensuing uh, whatever slap fight that they had with each other on pit road with Jordan Bianchi trying to get sound. And then the two of them wanting to run off and get privacy with each other when they go and give each other a circle jerk. <laughs> I like the way you put it there. But yeah, I mean, the, that was an interesting fight. Uh, well, not really a fight, but it was more of a heated discussion there uh, after the race. But I mean, the, that was basically the story of the race and probably may, maybe one of the stories uh, that affects the title fight here for uh, the Cup Series. And you know, with Lart uh, or well, with Chase Elliott, I mean, he had the lead there and then got doored by uh by Kevin Harvick flat tire went to pit road and then was able to block uh Harvick well, he doored Harvick back and then blocked him later or held you know held him up and that allowed Larson to get back into the picture and pass Harvick there for the win with a couple of laps to go in the Bristol night race but uh th this is going to be an interesting uh fight because if we see what happens uh at you know the Charlotte Roval or at Martinsville, or even even at Phoenix, uh, that's going to be something to look out for. If those drivers are near each other, if they're side by side, or you know anything like that, um, we look at have to look for something where if there's an opportunity there to uh, move them out of the way, or you know potentially spin them out. Uh, I think that's definitely going to be uh, a thing that could happen there, and definitely uh, will make at least um, have a lot of interest there for uh, that storyline with chase elliott and kevin harvick and you know talking about the discussion itself i mean it was kind of interesting to see them later discuss it in chase elliott's hauler whatever reason they did that and i guess they didn't want to do it in front of the cameras and stuff because jordan bianchi like you said was right there and harvick several times was like oh uh stop filming this or stop recording whatever and and then uh eventually they just went to the hauler and you know don't really see that in racing you know normally uh, two drivers have their dust up on pit road or wherever in the garage and then they move on maybe they call or text later on and then move on with life but you know this one is a little 
Honestly, I actually had a, a interesting discussion, I guess, or whatever was going on. Not sure what it was said, but uh, it was definitely uh, a little bit out of the norm as far as you know driver arguments go. And you know, for the rest of the guys like Larson, I mean, this is adds to his win total for the year, and then uh, adds to his uh, playoff point total for the year, and continues to give him uh, more cushion as we go on in this playoffs. And then, of course, for Harvick. Even though he didn't win, he's now, uh, by the way, uh, 12th in the standings once again. They you know, after all the reseeding and all that stuff. So you know, if he had been able to win, that could have given him uh, cushion going into the, um, you know, a little bit of cushion at least. You know, going into uh, this next round here, at least position himself a little bit higher uh, above everybody else. But for the rest of uh, the field, I mean, you had uh, Denny Hamlin finishing ninth. Had uh, 65 laps led, was kind of up there early on, uh, but then uh, kind of faded away towards the end of the race and just didn't, uh, I guess, didn't have the pace, uh, especially the last uh, last run that they had, uh, just wasn't there. And then um, other guys, I mean, Ryan Blaney had, I, you know, towards the uh, middle portion of the race, I mean, he had to lead for a little bit uh, there, and then that was like right around the time Kevin Harvick was. Uh, starting to uh, charge towards the front, but I mean, he didn't really have any pace towards the end um, and wasn't able to keep up with Harvick. And of course, William Byron, who's kind of mired mid-pack, you know, throughout the entire race, but then towards uh, the end was able to climb up all the way to third and basically race his way uh, into the second round. And of course, drivers like uh, Tyler Reddick, who literally needed to make one pass on Joey Logano and then that uh, probably would have uh, got him into the next round, but uh, just wasn't able to get the drive off off of you know the corners to be able to get up to Logano and maybe move him out of the way or pass him cleanly, and it just wasn't going to happen. And then of course you know like guys that we may have thought could have been a factor in this race, like Kurt Busch, just never had it throughout the entire night, and they were pretty off. Uh, Eric Almarola, who I think I think we both had him out of the playoffs, but uh, there is also the possibility that he could be in just because he was so close on points and just uh, kind of had the opportunity there. He was in that same battle with Logano and uh, Tyler Reddick, but then just uh, kind of faded in the last couple of laps and then ends up finishing outside uh, looking in. Um, but that was uh, basically the race there, just the continued drive uh, the title fight. And then, you know, and talk about the uh, flat tires and stuff. I mean, there was a lot of guys that had flat tires. Uh, Kyle Busch, he had his issues uh, and, started to flirt with the cut line there once that happened, uh, which I mean, could have been a bigger issue if they had spun out or crashed and then uh, been a, unable to finish the race, but they were able to quickly get onto pit road. Once that flat terror happened and Chris, uh, yeah, Christopher Bell, he also uh, had issues there, hit the wall, finished seven laps down and uh, put his position a little bit in jeopardy too, but uh, not by much. So a lot of guys had issues, but then, you know, in the end, uh, Kyle Larson gets on top. I mean, talk about the Bristol night race itself and possibility of it being a championship race. I mean, I think it could be a championship race if they make it or if they want it to be. And then it also puts in the question the Bristol dirt race, uh, which probably should have been just a one-off. And uh, But I doubt that uh, this last time that they have Bristol night race, they're probably going to have it again next year, uh, which I think they already did confirm because the schedule came out. But really the Bristol night or dirt race uh, is made irrelevant by this race and they should probably hold the dirt race at another track or 
go to real dirt track or something like that if they want to have dirt track racing in cup series but then yeah go ahead yeah i was yeah i agree with that man uh with there's plenty of great dirt tracks in this country uh eldora uh that could go and hold a, a cup race and uh they don't want to they want ridiculous sanctioning fees so then they have to do it within the constructs of the the tracks they have which we'll get i forgot about that part of the schedule we'll probably get into that with because it's vegas and the cup series it's a 550 rules package we might just spend that time to preview the second round but also really talk about the 2022 schedule um to be fair yeah the dirt race is a waste of time there um having a pavement having the proper race they had uh the long run there i think played a role as as you mentioned in regards to the guys that got eliminated reddick almirola both were close had a chance um almirola didn't really have a great car all night and neither did kurt bush so they basically eliminated themselves to be fair kurt bush got eliminated at darlington when he slammed or not darlington at um at Richmond when he hit the yeah, wall Richmond. 45 laps into the race while running in the top five. That basically eliminated him. The 10 didn't really have speed. Uh, the eight car, kind of unfortunate circumstance, but when you consider they basically backdoored it um, a lot like the 10 and the 34, you know, that's that's why you get yourself into that spot. Um, Kurt Busch is probably the one that would be like, really mad because i'm sure he's going to be very motivated to run out this year the rest of the season with this team uh, as they go into uh, they get they switch over to the um what is a track house um effort and his current teammate um ross Chastain will take over that ride uh, i mean william byron needed a lot of help uh, he got a little bit of assistance in regards to the Gibbs guys almost stepping on or going and dick-stepping themselves. Um, Alex Bowman was in rel- generally irrelevant, but somehow or another got a top five out of it. Out of this race, um, first time I think we really talked about him all, uh, all around. Um, it's something we will see because as... It stands right now. William Byron's on the current cutoff for the start of the second round. Logano, Keselowski, Chris Bell, and Kevin Harvick are the four guys that are out. Um, it'll be a little bit more interesting. The Hendrick cars outside of, of course, Larson are kind of up against the cut line right now. Um, you know, Kyle Busch has points, but really it's a pretty close battle. It's only 27 points from second to 12th and you get down into like what is it 19 points or 20 points between fifth and 12th so talk about winning stages the whole bit that could kind of flip around uh quickly uh, but we'll see how the round of uh 12 goes in regards to the cup series um starting at vegas Xfinity series, as I mentioned, uh, what's it called? Uh, AJ Allmendinger goes and wins the race, wins the regular season title in the process, uh, crashing. The only lap he led all day was the final lap. 
him and Austin Sendrick got in there, got into it. All Geyer, the three guys that are, are the three most likely drivers to win this championship, really all got into it, you know, making contact, running over each other. And uh, in the end, A.J. Allmendinger is now tied in points with Austin Sindrick going into the uh, first round of their playoff starting this weekend. 24-point uh, gap on Justin Allgaier, and then it goes back from there. You have guys like, you know, you have Jeb Burton, who doesn't know what he's going to be doing next year at this point. Myatt Snyder, who, with the announcement of Sheldon Creed going to that car, uh, doesn't have a ride. Nobody, you know, I mean, Bruckshot Jones probably will keep his ride because he has money, and we don't know about Herbst or what the any if there will be any Fords out on the Xfinity circuit next year. Um, of course, Harrison's going to Cup. The only thing I think we know about the Gibbs situation is that Ty is going to be running full time. Um, we know the guys at JRM are back. So the seven and the nine, so they're just running for next year anyway. And uh, Haley, of course, is moving up the cup. So they're going to need uh, at least one new driver at uh, College Racing along with AJ Allmendinger next year in the Xfinity series. But before we get into all that, figuring out what's who's going to go where, um, that was an interesting finish there. Uh, at Bristol, to say the least, Josh, uh, the two guys that are most likely going to be battling at Phoenix for this championship end up uh, making contact and going in the wall and destroying a lot of other equipment and uh, are now um, going to battle or been battling all year, but really they're going to be battling to um, see who will be the Xfinity Series champion here in 2021 for sure yeah it was a really uh exciting finish there you saw aj almendinger austin Sindrick, justin algar kind of just beating each other's doors off there uh in in the corners and uh, i mean austin Sindrick had an opportunity to take the lead um but then almendinger took the lead from him but then last corner almendinger overdrove the corner and then uh allowed austin Sindrick to get right back beside him and then Austin Sindrick, of course, you know, getting off of the corner right there. I mean, if he uh, didn't want to make contact, he was going to not have the same drive off, uh, have the same line as uh, Almendinger there. So uh, he had really no choice. I mean, to win the race, kind of just had to make contact there with uh, Almendinger. And then that led uh, to the exciting finish with both of them crashing, uh, coming to the line, which never really see that uh, ever. And, you know, I think the last time, an Xfinity race finished like that. It's probably uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Carl Edwards at Iowa. Although, of course, that situation was more of, uh, I think, Ricky Stenhouse blowing his engine and uh, Carl Edwards just running into the back of him. And, of course, we won't count any of the Daytona or Talladega finishes because, uh, you know, those were inevitable uh, to start with. Uh, you know, of course, like Kyle Larson going into the fence at Daytona in 2013 and then um, some of the other races where they were wrecking to the line. But that was all, you know, sugar plate racing. But at a normal track where you don't have uh, sugar plates or uh, pack racing or anything like that, uh, this is a pretty unique finish uh, to finish like like that, especially uh, the short track. And you know, shows for Austin Cindric. You know, he's willing to put everything on the line, even if it means uh, wrecking 
Almeninger there, but you know that's how it goes sometimes. And could be a preview. I mean, realistically speaking, with the way Phoenix and that track layout is, uh, could be a preview of uh, the, the Phoenix uh, championship race if both of them make it into the uh, last race uh, to win the, the title. So that would be really uh, exciting finish uh, to the season and uh, to the title with you know two cars like that wrecking coming to the line uh, to win the, the championship and definitely would be uh, very controversial, but then also exciting. So um, we'll, we'll have to look out and see if that happens, uh, if anything. And, you know, you have Allgaier, of course, who was was there, but then uh, didn't have uh, a chance to, I mean, he, well, he got into it with them, so he didn't have a chance to recover and uh, win the race. But, you know, of course, if he also makes it into the final round and Austin Sindrick and AJ Allmendinger take each other out, he could end up being champion. So, I uh, can't uh, count, uh, you know, you can't count um, Austin Sindrick or can't count Justin Allgaier out of this title fight. He just has to kind of just play back uh, behind Almendinger and Sindrick uh, as they go throughout uh, this playoff round. So I think, you know, for me, this this title fight is probably more interesting to me than the uh, Cup Series because I feel like there's a little bit more volatility in the Cup Series, although I think it's going to end up coming down to Larson and Hamlin. But here, I think it's a lot more clear who the uh, championship battle is between, you know, it's between Almendinger and Sindrick mostly. So um, that's what I'm more interested in is just the uh, strategy and um, just the, you know, battles between uh, these two cars, these two drivers, uh, teams as they go uh, throughout this uh, entire Xfinity playoffs. Yeah, and that's the thing with with Xfinity. It's very uh, top-heavy uh, with uh, who it's about. It's just a head-to-head battle, really, to be fair, uh, as Josh mentioned. But really, maybe we add Allgaier. Okay. So we know it's going to be one of those three. In the Cup Series, we have Larson and Amlin. And it's been a Hendrick versus Gibbs battle most of the year. And it probably will end up that way. I have a hard time believing any Ford will get to the Final Four. Um I mean, it's possible Logano pulls one out of his ass. Maybe Blaney. But um, it is, I mean, it's more interesting. I think the truck series battle, which we'll get into here in a, in a moment, also is intriguing because you have the Sheldon Creed aspect. Now he knows he has a job. He has a future. Um, and he's going to a, an organization, at least on the Xfinity side, that has proven with the right talent they can run up front and win. Uh, so big deal for him. He kind of gets to relax and run it out. And he'll be going against the guy who's trying to get himself back up to whether it's an Xfinity car or a cup car that is one of the better young talents in the sport too. So it's kind of head to head in a lot of these series, but it's more straightforward in the Xfinity and in the truck series, which uh, will discuss right now uh the uh trucks ran on thursday night and they had uh sheldon creed there and chandler smith backdooring his first career win to knock todd gilland out of the playoffs uh the points saw hosevar plus three ben rhodes plus two zane smith plus two um if if uh, Chandler Smith does not win that race, 
and get into Sheldon Creed, which would have given him a sweep, uh, he would have been knocked out of the playoffs. So a little bit more, a uh, little bit more argy bargy, as uh, Calvin Fish would say there. Um, Chandler Smith doing that to get his first win. Grant Enfinger finishing second. John Hunter Nemechek third. Friesen fourth. Sauter fifth. Carson Hosevar sixth. Crafton seventh. Zane Smith eighth. Ben Rhodes ninth. Todd Gillen tenth. So, in regards to the playoff guys, eight of the top ten were playoff guys. Doug Kobe in his Truck Series debut finished 12th, right behind Josh Berry. Uh, you had. Uh, Sheldon Creed, who led the most laps, basically the entire race, and uh, got moved, won both stages, got moved, finished 19th. And then Austin Hill, who got wrecked and uh, was up there most of the day, so he would have had a chance to possibly make it in. But um, uh, unfortunate late uh, season collapse for a guy who's been known to be somebody that can compete for championships, especially since he got into the 16 truck. Um, yeah, Chandler Smith. Uh, so it gives Cowbush uh, Motorsports uh, two, two trucks in the round of six. They're eliminating down. They'll, they'll reset, run three races, Las Vegas, I believe, is it Talladega and Martinsville. And uh, they'll uh, eliminate down to four from there. Uh, the points gap. Sheldon Creed um, starts 24 points out behind John Hunter Nemechek. Then um, and Ben Rhodes is 31 back. The spread between Zane Smith in fourth and Stuart Friesen in eighth is only eight points. So that can go and flip around um, with very little uh, issue within the confines of the stage racing that they have in nascar of course win and you're in uh talladega is going to be a wild card martinsville is always tough and it'll be cold and at night uh, this race at vegas um we've kind of we'll get into the previews and all that later but kind of lands one sort of way but we'll get into all that uh but yeah, Chandler Smith getting a first win, uh, doing something usually guys that are young guns at, at uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports have not been able to do on the full-time side, which is win, um, albeit he had to, you know, use Sheldon Creed up to do it. But Chandler Smith did what he had to do and made old uh, car or truck owner happy, um, advancing both of his trucks into the second round of the playoffs there, Josh. Yeah, I mean, for Chandler Smith, I mean, he had to fight off both his teammate and John Henry Hemacek and then also Sheldon Creed there. I mean, five laps to go, he doors uh, Sheldon Creed, and uh, Creed gets a flat tire. And then uh, from there, it's uh, Chandler Smith versus John Henry Hemacek, and then he's able to uh, out-corner uh, Hemacek in a couple last couple of laps, and then uh, Hemacek faded back to third, and he wins the race. So... Finally, the other Kyle Busch car goes out and wins the race. Now, all I guess, yeah, all three of the uh, Kyle Busch trucks have won a race. If you you know count Kyle Busch winning race, and then uh, Nemechek, who's dominated most of the season, and now Chandler Smith winning race. So, uh, I guess, yeah, for that team, good for their company. Uh, and now Chandler Smith still on the outside looking in, going into this next round. 
uh, here in the playoffs, but maybe he'll have to pull off something here again, possibly at Martinsville if he's uh, had the opportunity to do that. So uh, this, yeah, this championship, like you said, is a little bit more straightforward. Um, I think here going into uh, Las Vegas for Nemechek, I think, you know, he dominated this race back in the spring. Uh, obviously they've probably made some changes, made gains since then, but what does the rest of the field uh, as far as the playoff field look like? I mean, we've seen Sheldon Creed uh, have an amazing first round after you know not having a great regular season. Does he uh, have anything here at this mile and a half track for uh, Nemechek? Uh, what's the gap between those teams look like on a track like this? I think those are definitely all factors that we have to uh, look at going into this, this, uh, this next race. Uh, I think for the rest of the field, I mean, Ben Rhodes still uh, has a chance. I mean, he's, had chances before at uh, Las Vegas, but uh, didn't close through. But I think now for uh, him, this is definitely another opportunity uh, to uh, go out and try to win a race uh, in the next couple of races. Zane Smith, right, flurrying on the disaster with the cutoff line. Uh, so he'll have to mind him uh, where he's he's uh, in the points championship uh, along with relative to uh, Chandler Smith, who's uh, only three points behind him there in the championship. And, you know, of course, uh, most of our uh, Friesen, who probably uh, are also you know, still close in that that fight, but I don't know if they have the pace uh, to be able to make it into the next round. And of course, uh, Matt Crafton, the seasoned vet uh, in this uh, title fight overall, uh, could use his veteran uh, experience to be able to make it into the championship four as possibly as an underdog uh, dark horse uh, position uh, for for him. So. A lot of these guys still have an opportunity, but I, I think it's ultimately going to come down to Creed and Nemechek. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's been what this season. It was John Hunter for a good part of the year, and then Sheldon Creed kind of took off uh, during the summer, and I think Sheldon Creed is like the easygoing guy. He's like Robbie Gordon 2.0, but he's mad chill. California dude. And he knows that he's got a ride next year. So it's like, oh, well, whatever. Um, GMS, they're all about winning championships. They won championships. They've been they've fallen short a couple times with other drivers. Creed came through last year. Uh, but I think they want another one. And that's where it's going to be. It's going to be between the two biggest teams in the truck series, really. Um, and we'll get into that preview for the Vegas truck race uh, in a little bit, uh, along with all the NASCAR races that will be coming up. Uh, the roundup this week will start with the MotoGP at Misano, uh, the uh, circuit named after the late Marco Simoncelli. Uh, not one of the better uh, tracks generally for racing in general. But in uh, motorcycles, it's not horrible. And uh, we, can, we saw a good one for the, what they call the Bologna Bullet uh, Ducati bikes there this past weekend at uh, Misano. Pecco Bagnaia goes and gets the victory there at Misano. So Pecco Bagnaia beats Fabio Quattararo by... 0.364 of a second. Enea Bastaini uh, finishes third as first career podium on a two-year-old Ducati. 
which was great performance there. The team that will become the uh, uh, Valentino Rossi owned team uh, next year. And uh, looks like uh, we don't know if it'll be sponsored by the uh, Arab, uh, uh, the Saudi oil company that usually is at sponsors plastered all over Formula One, but we'll see about that. Mark Marquez finished fourth, uh, Miller fifth, Joanne Mir sixth, Polis Bargro beats his brother Alich. Seventh and eighth, Brad Binder, Taka Nakagami, the top 10. Michele Piro on a wild card Ducati finished 11th ahead of Johan Zarco, who's been in the title battle for most of the year. Maverick Vinales making his debut for Aprilia finished 13th. Stefan Brattle filling in or doing a wild card appearance on a Repsol Honda finished 14th ahead of. Alex Marquez in 15. Uh, Franco Morbidelli made his debut on the Monster Energy Yamaha team, uh, finished 18th. Valentino Rossi was 17th. Uh, Miguel Oliveira, 20th. Jorge Martin had to retire from the race. Iker Lacawona and Alex Rins both wrecked. Andrea Davizioso in his return to MotoGP on the uh, Patronus team finished last of all the, uh, the finishers that were classified. In regards to Moto2, uh, Fernandez finished, Raul Fernandez gets the W there over Remy Gardner, the Red Bull KTM uh, duo there. At uh, at Misano, beats Aaron uh, Raul Fernandez over Remy Gardner, Aaron Kinnett, Sam Lowe's Marco Basecki, a top five, Augusto Fernandez, Ayogura, Javi Vieje, Fabio Di Giantonio, and Celestino Fietti Rasmus. That's a name. Uh, finished 10th. Uh, the American Riders, Cameron Bobier finished 21st. Joe Roberts finished 23rd. So a rough uh, weekend for them in regards to the standings. Uh, right now, Remy Gardner has pretty much got one hand on the title. 34-point uh, lead on Raul Fernandez. Now Roberts is 12th. Cameron Bowie. 17th go back to moto uh, gp peco bagnaya has moved to second place with his uh second consecutive victory um he is now at 186 points so 34 48 points back of fabio quattro basically two races um, so it'll be difficult for them. They'll next race will be the U.S. Grand Prix at uh, Circuit of the Americas. Be nice to see MotoGP back there here next week. We'll preview that on the GSP. Joanne Mir, third, Zarco, fourth, only a point ahead of Jack Miller. 
Brad Bender, sixth, Asparger, Ali Asparger, Maverick Vinales, Mark Marquez, Miguel Oliveira, the top 10. The Indy Lights were at Laguna Seca uh, last, uh, last week, which saw the battle between Kyle Kirkwood and David Malukas continue. Of course, it's interesting that neither guy right now is like lined up for sure for an IndyCar ride next year. Kyle Kirkwood goes and gets his ninth win in of the season a race two over David Lucas, Lena Slunquist, Daniel Daniel Frost, and Benjamin Peterson uh, finished in the top five in race two. In race one, Kyle Kirkwood over Lena Slunquist, Benjamin Peterson, David Malukas, and Rasmus Lind. Uh, so double win for for Kirkwood gives him a ten point lead going into the finale at Mid Ohio in a couple weeks' time. Lena Slunquist is in third, Benjamin Peterson fourth, Daniel Frost in fifth. The guy who's actually going to get an Andretti ride is sixth um, because his daddy's got a shit ton of money. Um, but we'll see what happens with Kirkwood and Malukas. Um, if one or both of them are able to get a ride in the IndyCar series next year, you consider the likes of um, of uh, Dale Coyne. They're looking for at least one driver, you would think. Ed Carpenter, you have you have the uh, what's it called? Uh, the the whatever Ray Hall team, there's the, the, the Meyer shank. So there are options. We'll see. Of course, the IndyCar off season starts here on next week. So there'll be time to put budgets together, I guess, and stuff to see who's going to go where, but figures we'll hear about some of these announcements over the next few weeks while they're trying to stay in the news of the whole bit. Uh, the Formula 2 and Formula 3 series will be back together at Sochi at uh, Putin Drome. And Formula 2 uh, going over the standings, Oscar Piastri has a 15-point leader, Guan Yu Zhou. Uh, Robert Schwartzman's third. Dan Tictum's fourth. And Teo Pocher is fifth. Uh, Jan Deruvula ended up uh, getting a win uh, at at the last round you know, in the one race there in the sprint in the sprint uh, race, one of the three races there, and uh, at uh, Monza uh, to get the seventh. But it's been a little been a rougher year than it was last year for him. Been a tighter series in regards to drivers that are able to score and be competitive. We'll see if Piastri can put himself uh, closer to um, possibly getting the Formula 
three or formula two championship after um, his run last year in formula uh, three, which saw him beat uh, Logan Sargent amongst others. And yeah, so it's F3, um, Raymond Campbell's F3 and F3 revert to old format. F3 season finale moved from Austin to Sochi. Oh, wow. The season has been moved to logistical scuppered plans. So, oh, that sucks. Um, the overall cost of the plan. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, that's a shame. Well, at least W Series will be at uh, Circuit of Americas. But, yeah, so the F3 finale will be this weekend at uh, at Putin Drome. Didn't really know that. I may have read it, but I didn't know. So Dennis Hauger now, 45-point lead. It'll be very difficult for that to be over, um, be passed. Jack Dewin is in second. Clement Novelak is in a battle for third with Victor Martens, Frederick Vesti, Alexander Smolier. So 15 points between those drivers. Now Logan Sargent is ninth. Uh, you have other guys like Artur Leclerc, David Schumacher behind him. Matteo Nanini, there Jack Crawford, Enzo Fittipaldi, who moved up to... Formula 2, actually. Juan Manuel Correa is 20th. Kalen Frederick actually scored points. Henry Aini's been replaced for the last uh, race. Ayrton Simmons will be driving for them. Uh, the the Charus team with Logan Sargent. So... Got awesome for yeah. So the GB three was second driver standing. All right, no podium. Then we're putting six finished third. Last year's ninth. Okay, so there is that. The World Superbike Series was at Catalonia last week, um, but Barcelona. Circuit Barcelona de Catalunya, whatever. Uh, race one saw Scott Redding win over Axel Bassani and Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Johnny Ray finished fourth. Uh, Garrett Gerloff crashed in the first lap. Topak Rasagulu crashed on his owner 14 laps later. So that's a problem there in regards to the points. In the Super Bowl race, we had Jonathan Ray beat Rasagulu. Rasgatagulu, I'm probably fucking his name up, but who cares? Alvaro Bautista, third. Alex Lowe's Michael Rubin Rinaldi, a top five. Gerloff finished eighth. And then in race two, uh, you saw Michael Rubin Rinaldi. Win over Raskajulu, Redding, Batista, Andrea Locatelli. 
Johnny Ray finished sixth, Garrett Gerloff finished seventh. So interesting. Um, with uh, now, what, four rounds to go in the season, there will be a little bit of a break of sorts. Hareth next this week, then uh, they'll go to the Algarve the following week, and then there will be some gaps of time between the final couple of races. The standings see Rasagulu up by one point over Johnny Ray. Scott Redding is in third. Rinaldi in fourth, Locatelli in fifth, but Redding has a 120-point lead over Ruben Rinaldi. Um, Garrett Gerloff is ninth in the standings going into this last part of the year, so we'll see how that goes for them. Let's move on to Formula One. The uh, Russian Grand Prix, Putin Drome, a track that... Uh, has generally shown to not be great for much of anything. Uh, we'll hold the 15th round of what is currently a 23 race calendar, but obviously there's been some adjustments and changes. So we'll see how many. It sounds like there's only going to be, there is already lost the Japanese Grand Prix. So that'll actually be 22. Um, Mexico, I think, is going away. So that'll be 21. But they're going to replace one of the races, I think, with. Um, the uh, race in Qatar, and uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, Verstappen v. Hamilton, after their latest get-together, um, what will come of that in your mind uh, at, at Russia there, Josh? Uh, it looks like it's going to be a wet weekend there, so that's something that hasn't happened there before. It is a temper. It's not a temporary circuit, but it kind of is. Uh, it's basically in the Olympic car park, uh, so wonder how rain how rain conditions will translate to a track that's generally known to not be very good. Um, it's been a Mercedes house. Every race has been won by a Mercedes uh, driver. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has four wins there. Valtteri Bottas has two, and Rosberg has one. So. Can Max Verstappen continue the run um, and or continue his run and actually beat Mercedes at a track where Mercedes has been dominant? Or can Lewis Hamilton kind of take the fight back to the Red Bulls um, with the wet conditions possible uh, coming this weekend? Well, I think for Max Verstappen, I think mostly he has to be able to outpace uh, Lewis Hamilton, which he has for most of the year. Uh, at least on speed, and he's been able to uh, do that fairly consistently for most of these races. So I think it's going to come down to that, and then it's also going to come down to strategy uh, for uh, Red Bull if they can, you know, out strategize uh, uh, Mercedes there, uh, factor in the amount of pit stops that they have to take, and uh, have more efficient pit stops. Certainly more efficient than what they had at Monza with uh, the mistake that they had, which led to that uh, accident between Verstappen and Hamilton. But then also for uh, Mercedes, they're obviously going to lean back on their history of dominance there. They they know how to get around uh, Sochi. So I think for, for them, you know, they just have to use what they know, what works, what, what doesn't work, and uh, go from there and just try to 
uh, outmaneuver on the track probably or uh, try an undercut if the strategy allows for it and actually uh, get ahead of her stopping. And of course, you said rain could be a factor, which might uh, have an effect on the race. Maybe it makes the racing a little bit closer or um, maybe we uh, see something wild, especially in uh, wet conditions uh, with drivers, uh, you know, being in in uh, wet tires and all that or in intermediates uh, should should there be any kind of uh, accident that could happen from that um, or just uh, careful driving uh, allowing for maybe a little bit more closer racing we'll have to see um, I think all that could play into this race but and you know the like you said Russia is not really a, a good uh, racetrack overall so can't really see um, too much exciting racing happening I think it's mostly going to be processional um, so we'll just have to watch the strategy and see if uh, that's where the action is going to be. Uh, I think for the most part, it's just going to be that kind of race uh, and we'll have to just deal with it. I think uh, another storyline to talk about is the midfield, especially with McLaren, who of course won their first race uh, since 2012 at Monza uh, two weekends ago. And then uh, going forward, you have the battle with uh, Ferrari, who's uh, had to play a little bit of catch up uh, here and I think now with uh, Ferrari getting a new power unit, of course, it's going to have a great penalty for uh, Leclerc. Um, maybe not in this race, but in future races could help them. It's not going to be a huge gain or anything massive, less than 10 horsepower. But, of course, any type of gain that you can get uh, can help. So I think uh, for Ferrari, uh, especially with uh, Leclerc, potentially maybe he drives through the field and finishes uh, – somewhere you know in the top five potentially or uh, in that range um, certainly not a podium but uh, definitely uh, very uh, high up in the midfield and so I think it's going to be interesting to see what uh, McLaren can do to counter that uh, if they feel like they don't have the pace or uh, they need to protect their position uh, in the title uh, championship uh, for uh, Lando Norris to get him potentially up on the podium the driver's championship or uh, in the construction uh, constructors championship for uh, the team for them to uh, get the highest possible finish that they can there. So I think those are for me. I think the most two intriguing battles just the uh, midfield battle, especially with the two midfield teams that we know are really good: McLaren and Ferrari, and then of course the title fight with uh, Verstappen and, and uh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It looks like the temperatures are going to be really cold. Uh, there, I think they're going to have dry running, it looks like, on Friday. But then there will be wet conditions the rest of the weekend. Um, or it won't be horrendous with lack of visibility like they had at Spa. So they'll be able to race, I would think. But it'll make it a little bit more interesting than what most Russian Grand Prix have been, which is um, a snooze fest. So... What can Lewis do? This is basically the stretch run. We're starting to see the pinch come in in regards to some of these races being able to come off in large part because of the uh, restrictions that exist within England. Of course, because of COVID um, and places that versus places that don't want to take it as seriously in certain part, certain people within the governments and all these places, certain places don't. And that's a problem when you consider how many thousands, hundreds of people or whatever that are working for these teams and having to be 
moved around logistically and all the stuff, all the equipment and people that are involved in running a Formula One Grand Prix. But we'll see about all that. And um, in also with, with the uh, midfield battle itself, as Josh said, um, will McLaren, will it be Ferrari, will we look at some of these smaller teams like the Williams, can they continue the momentum they've been on in recent Grand Prix uh, with Russell, but also even with Latifi, um, what will the Toro Rosso team do versus the Alpine um, Aston Martin uh, situation there? So that's all up in the air. All things we'll get into more in detail next week um, in episode 80 as we review this race and this race weekend in more detail. Uh, the Grand Prix of Long Beach, one of the uh, one of the classics in all of motorsports, one of the classics street course races in all of motorsport, and unlike where it usually lands, which is very early in the calendar, for years it was a opener, one of the first races of the IndyCar season. This year, after having to take it off the calendar last year. It'll be the season finale for the IndyCar series. Um, Snoop Dogg's going to be doing the lead-in on NBCSN, so that'll be cool. Um, Hopefully they put him in the booth instead of Paul Tracy. That would be an immediate upgrade. Uh, But, you know, you can wish for things. Uh, But Alex Pillow versus Pato Award. Alex Pillow has to outscore basically outscore um paddle award he has to earn as long as he has a 51 point lead by the end of the race there's no mathematical way for or i guess 54 is the maximum you can get or something and he has a 35 point lead so i guess it's 19 point he needs to earn 19 points or something or 19 points more than Pato Award. Um, Pato Award, of course, has run well on street courses. He's run well everywhere, really. Uh, but so is Alex Pillow. Uh, and Alex Pillow's been the more competitive or more consistent driver all year. And Long Beach is a place where, of course, Ganassi has won, uh, with, whether it's with Dixon, with Dario, with whatever. Vassar and uh, Alex Zanardi at Montoya, et cetera, et cetera. It's an uphill climb for the the, the Arrow McLaren team. They uh, tried to do some things these last couple of weeks. I mean, even in practice last week at Laguna, they were nowhere, and they needed a miracle run from uh, Award to get them into this fast six. They never really had the pace to compete. So do we see or do you see foresee anything really coming? Do you see a Hail Mary coming from Pat Award or even Joseph Newgarden for that matter that could possibly go and torpedo what looks like a likely championship for Alex Pillow in his first season for Chip Ganassi? Or are we going to see the coronation of a new superstar 
an IndyCar um, for Chip Ganassi as he moves towards focusing on IndyCar again and probably sports cars in more uh, detail since his cup effort will be done soon. Right. I think for Alex Pillow, I mean, I think for the most part, this is going to be a coronation uh, type of race. I think the likelihood of him having a mechanical failure or having a crash is probably fairly low. Uh, I think, well, mechanical failure, I mean, it could happen when you saw it at Indy, Indy Road Course uh, a few weeks ago, but I think that they've been uh, getting better in that department and they have to bring the best uh, equipment possible to go out and win this championship. So I think um, it would probably be fairly unlikely that they would have a mechanical failure. And then I think for a crash to happen, it would have to be a driver that was over aggressive or something like that. Uh, and I think with, I mean, even with the controversies that we've seen uh, this year with uh, drivers not having good standards and things like that, you know, stuff that we saw at Nashville, just feel like with this being the championship race, probably drivers going to try to respect the championship point leader as much as possible during the race. And uh, I think for them to make a mistake would, you know, have to, and take him out, that would have to be, be a, a really bad thing to happen. So I think uh, they would probably respect him uh, and paddle word too, for that matter. Uh, I, I think maybe one thing that could come into play is the blend line coming out of the pits, going into turn one at Long Beach. You saw it a few years ago with Scott Dixon and Simon Pagano, uh, the, I think 2017 Long Beach uh, Grand Prix. They had an issue, or no, it was 20, uh, yeah, 2016, yeah, that happened. And that was a issue with the blend line. And I think yeah, Scott Dixon merged back into the blend line a little bit too soon. And there is maybe controversy there with uh, should he have uh, been penalized for that. And if uh, the stewards decide to call a penalty on that for below, uh, certainly could affect the points championship, but I don't think it would uh, help it by much. Uh, and you know, I think another factor for below is uh, the fact that he's got the leading IndyCar champion uh, chip title leader and uh, uh, Scott Dixon won the most titles in IndyCar racing so far. And then, of course, the uh, NASCAR seven-time champion turned IndyCar rookie and Jimmy Johnson uh, in his back corner uh, to lean on for championship experience and uh, advice. And he's already said uh, him and Johnson have talked, and Johnson's given him some tricks. Don't know what those are, but, of course, you know those always remain a secret and uh, a lot of advice. So it's the value of having a guy like Johnson, even though may not have any actual IndyCar uh, experience and probably Johnson needs advice from Polo on how to drive an Indy car. Um, just the the championship uh, advice, how to approach a championship, and you know how to have a good mindset going into it. That's uh, something that a guy like Jimmy Johnson can provide uh, for Alex Blow. So I think for the most part, this is um, all. It's you know everything for Polo. Uh, this is he has everything to lose in this race and everything to gain. Uh, as well, but I think in his counterpart in this title for Paddle Award, I mean, they just have to have the absolute best pace that they can. They've got to be able to win the race, I think, to have it a, a shot at this. And so they've got to bring their best car and maybe they go on a two stop strategy to keep the lead. Maybe they feel like they can make it on a three stop strategy and have uh, the best tires at the end and win the race. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, and, and then you know, also, when do they? go on blacks versus reds uh, in this race to start off with reds or do they go on the reds uh, towards the end of the race? Uh, so that, that would be something to look out for, but I think you know, overall for uh, Alex blow as uh, his title to win, but of course, you know, there are other drivers in the series too, 
that could win the race, uh, but still not win the championship. Maybe Joseph Newgarden has a, a shot at winning the race, and later by the end of the race, he's or the midpoint maybe that he has uh, not a chance of winning the race, and it's going to come down to uh, Pelo and Award. Maybe they they try something to win the race, or they just have a good car, but uh, nothing uh, to gain uh, in the points championship. So um, I think a lot of these guys have a opportunity to maybe go out and win the race. So uh, I think either Alex Blow or one of the other uh, guys who's had history here at this track wins. Maybe Scott Dixon wins. Maybe Pagano has a, a winning race and what could be his uh, last race for uh, Team Penske as he looks like he might be on the outside looking in for that organization. So uh, a lot of guys uh, that could win this race. But, you know, I, I think if I'm going to pick a guy, probably just go ahead and pick Blow, just be on the safe side. I think for me, I'll I'll go with uh, Scott Dixon. It's not a it's a safe pick too. It's rare that he's not racing for a championship when you've won six championships and you've been as good as Scott Dixon has been. Uh, it's rare that he has a free reign. He basically has a free go at a race. Uh, maybe he's looser. Maybe he's able to qualify better. Um, and it also, in turn, if Scott Dixon wins, it protects uh, Alex Pillow because it's a higher likelihood if he's winning that Paddle Award, even if he had the pace, will not be. That'll obviously mean Paddle Award can't. And that, in turn, would mean he basically can't win the championship. Um, oh, yeah, we talked about Herda earlier. He's become kind of a street course master tighter circuit master usually when he wins he dominates races as per you know talking about last week the he's obviously a favorite um you look at guys who are racing for a career like uh Pagino, like a hunter ray who's won there before both of them i think have so you know there's there's people that there's a lot of guys that really have some opportunity you know the a lot of fast guys trying to run out the season the right way. Um, there are opportunities for cautions. So they always talk about the two idiots in the booth with lead. If he always yell about the danger zone, well, it actually exists at long beach because it could actually happen because they do full course yells happen. Um, you consider Nashville, they're running over each other the whole entire time too. So the whole, as Josh mentioned, the whole driving standard thing could become an issue. Um, but it, I think it'll be a clean fight. Alex Pillow will uh, end up getting crowned the champion. It won't be because of a lack of effort for Pato Award and Arrow Spam. Um, they'll be Arrow McLaren full out next year. He'll have Rosenquist back as his teammate for whatever reason. Um, they may have a third car, but um, Paddle Award will be a factor next year, along with Colton Erta, along with Alex Pillow. And this IndyCar series is just going to go from strength to strength going into 2022. Uh, a lot of races on NBC next year. Hopefully they update their announced crew and team and kind of bolster it. Um, to take a raise the stature of the series with a lot of the great changes that are coming, but they'll be marketing Alex below as a champion here. Uh, 
starting next week because I think that's what's going to happen. Um, stranger things have happened, though. It is IndyCar. Uh, NASCAR will have their triple header at Vegas. The first race will be the South Point 400 on Sunday evening at Vegas. Uh, Larson won his first race for Hendrick in March uh, at this racetrack. And I think he will do the same thing on Sunday evening. If it isn't him, I would say that it would be a Gibbs car, probably the 19. But, um, yeah, you know, as I said, with the IndyCar series, maybe stranger things have happened. Maybe Kurt Busch pulls one out of his ass. Um, he did it last year in this race. Uh, and now that he's eliminated out of the playoffs, he has no fucks to give. Uh, what do you see, Josh? Um, is is it Larson for you or, or Truex? Or do you see somebody else? Is there a Ford that could possibly make a, make a play here? Uh, is Blaney somebody you would look at at Vegas considering his recent run of form um, and winning at a one-and-a-half-mile racetrack earlier in the year at Atlanta? Well, uh, I think for, for this race, uh, it could be Larson's race. But then when I look back to the spring, uh, Larson didn't really take over the race until after the end of stage two. Uh, he had been up there in that race, but you know, once stage two kind of came around, that was like his uh, turning point, I guess, in winning the race. But I mean, there are other drivers that are, that could be a factor. Uh, William Byron uh, led laps at, at this race in the spring. Uh, so did Denny Hamlin. Uh, so I, I think it's probably going to be a Hendrick versus Gibbs battle. Um, and then I think it's, you know, probably gonna be between Larson and Hamlin. I think maybe Truex, uh, is up there. Kyle Busch could be up there too, if things go right for him. But I think, you know, overall, um, if it's not Larson, it, I feel like it's probably a William Byron, actually. I think he has a good track record of this racetrack and, He's uh, this year and, and he's starting up uh, towards the front. So that's definitely help for him. Doesn't have to pass as many cars. Uh, and I think um, for Chase Elliott, he's got a little bit of work to do uh, starting in 11th, got to make his way through the field uh, to get up to the lead. Uh, so I think for uh, Larson uh, should be at least the first two stages, probably dominated by him. But then maybe stuff starts happening in the last stage and we get maybe a late yellow and then somebody, else uh, is able to storm up through the field or whatever, pull something off crazy and win this race, uh, which could happen. I feel like, you know, with the uh, last year, that's kind of how Kurt Busch won his race uh, at this track. And he was kind of able to uh, hang around there towards the front or, you know, towards the lead throughout the whole race. And then through some pitch strategy towards the end, staying out, he was able to win that race. So that could possibly happen again, but maybe not with uh, Kurt Busch as the driver there. So, I'll go a little bit different, I guess, and pick uh, Denny Hamlin and see if he's able to start off uh, this round just like how he did the first round here in this uh, 2021 NASCAR playoffs. And that would be something uh, after not winning during the whole entire regular season, losing the regular season title to Larson uh, after accumulating a huge points, going and winning the Southern 500 and going and winning again in the second round. That's a way to do it. You win once every round, you win the championship. 
that's a straightforward way to go and do this deal. So we'll see what happens with that. The top two guys in this series all year, that's our picks. We'll see how those land um, next week when we review uh, this race. Xfinity series, I think we kind of referenced it earlier. Uh, it's Almendinger and Sindrick. They're going to start on the front row at uh, in the Alsco 302 on Saturday. Uh, Allgaier and Haley will be on row two. Ty Gibbs will be up there with Sam Mayer. Ty Gibbs will be starting sixth. Sam Mayer will be starting 11th. Uh, they both, uh, Mayer had a good run at Bristol, one of his best runs he's had since getting in the A car a track where he had one out, of course, in both a truck and a K&N car. Jackson will be driving, I mean, or Herps will be driving a South Point uh, Ford, actually. It'll be interesting. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, I'll let you go first in regards to this. Josh, uh, Sindrick early in the year had all the momentum. And uh, but all guys, I mean, or Almendinger's taken that momentum in this last part of the season, regular season. Uh, and Colleague has been fast at all different racetracks, so is the Penske car with uh, uh, Austin Sindrick. But who do you look at as the favorite, at least for this weekend's race, and maybe in general towards this, this championship run for the Xfinity series? I, th- I think for this race, uh, we'll start off here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be easy to pick Sindrick or Almendinger, and both of them have been pretty good this year. Of course, Sindrick had the momentum for most of the first half of the year, and then Almendinger's uh, had his run as of late. That's led to him winning the regular season title and all that. And, of course, Almendinger did win the uh, first race at Las Vegas earlier this year. But, I mean, with... Ty Gibbs in the field and how strong 54 car has been with him in the driver's seat and with uh, Kyle Busch in the driver's seat. It's hard to ignore uh, their ability uh, to win races. And I, I feel like he could play spoiler for the uh, Xfinity regulars in this championship. Of course, another Gibbs car to look out for is Daniel Hemrick, who had a chance to win back in the spring. And this was back when Daniel Hemrick was a little bit more uh dominant i guess relatively speaking when he was actually leading laps he hasn't really led uh, a whole lot uh, lately in this series but back in the spring that was when people were uh, talking more uh, about daniel hemrick and his uh, inability to win races uh, and so now uh, here i mean if uh, he, he has to be able to uh, get up to the front and and get the lead and then uh, keep the lead and then ty gibbs just has a lot of speed he's got a lot of talent in, in that car and we've seen what he can do uh, in this series, and he's just been very, very good uh, in his limited time. So it's hard to ignore uh, him there. So, I mean, if I was a big regular, I mean, I'd pick Allendinger, but I feel like, realistically speaking, uh, Ty Gibbs has a chance to win this race uh, just being in the 54 car. So I'm going to pick Ty Gibbs uh, for this race. But I think overall in this round, I think um, I'm going to go with Allendinger winning this round in the playoffs, but I'm going to go Cindric going for, I guess, like who might be the best overall uh, for the rest of uh, the playoffs. Uh, I think, you know, with the, the Charlotte Roval is going to be in this round. Uh, Almondinger has won at this track in the past. Of course, Cindric has road course experience. 
but uh, I'm going to go with Almanigger there. But I think overall, I think this is uh, Austin Cindric's uh, title to lose. And of course, he's defending the title as well as he won last year. I think that Cindric goes and gets back to uh, the dominant ways of earlier in the year. I think he might have been experimenting. You know, his focus in between trying what they're going to do next year. I would venture to believe the team that he has built on the Xfinity side with Brian Wilson is going to move up with him to the cup effort to take over the two car. Uh, You know, there's a whole bunch of moving parts there. I think that might have been a distraction. But now that they're in this battle and basically as it stands, they've gotten reset. They're starting at scratch. Um, I mean, of course, the playoff points are the playoff points. Those are going to keep on transferring through. But I think Sindrick gets back on the horse, gets the moment, takes the early momentum and starts off this playoff with a victory. I mean, Gibbs, of course, is going to be up there more than likely. Um, might move somebody, which that's his thing. Uh, you can't sleep on the JRM cars, though. Uh, Gagson's from there. You probably want to win a home game there and then go and puke in, the, in between the walls. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, all guy or somebody that you're never going to sleep on, and if he can get to Phoenix... Everyone talks about, oh, if he gets to Phoenix, he has a chance, and he's had that chance, and he hasn't been able to pull through. So um, Allmendinger hasn't been in a championship fight in a long time. So what would he do given that situation? Uh, He's kind of been a hired gun, kind of rolling the dice for a while, but now he's points racing. Can he put it together and put this uh, playoff together? Battle a battle-tested team, battle-tested driver in Austin Sindrick, something that we will find out. Second round of the Truck Series playoff begins in um, earnest at Las Vegas. It'll be a very spread-out round for them. But John Hunter Nemechek will start on the pole and... uh, in regards to uh, they'll start that'll be Friday night it'll be uh, at uh, Las Vegas they will and Sheldon Creed of course will be up there uh, as I mentioned Sheldon Creed will actually be starting ninth after he got wrecked um, by Chandler Smith uh, the top seven out of the top eight are the the playoff drive remaining playoff drivers Gillen, the only guy sneaking in there Austin Hill is also in the top 10 uh, I mean it's pretty much John Hunter versus Sheldon Creed who we mentioned earlier but I I also look at um the fact that John Hunter has been very very good on these cookie cutter tracks all year uh I have a hard time believing that somebody's going to beat him in, in this spot. And I think it would be something if if somebody did. The only person I can see doing that is Sheldon Creed because he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. He's got a job, so he's got he's a free rolling. Um, 
if you read social media, there's stuff about uh, Chris Hacker who's driving the 45 truck this weekend. I don't think they'll mention him at all, but um, there is some stuff going on with him. Uh, if you really want to go into that rabbit hole, uh, got some other sword swallowers and whatever. Brett Moffitt randomly is in the 25 truck uh, this weekend. I don't know why. Uh, Grand Enfinger will be in the nine. You have some some other dead weight and people around there. Daddy's money people and likes and. Yeah, so really, John Hunter, it's my pick. I figure he goes and wins at uh, Vegas. Uh, Zane Smith driving an Allegiant Chevy. That's pretty cool. Throwing back to his truck owner. And, um, I I mean, if Sheldon Creed wins, it wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, How about you, Josh? What do you think in regards to this Friday night at Las Vegas for the trucks? Well, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you there. I mean, with John Hunter and Nemechek, with the way that they've driven on the mile and a half uh, tracks this year, I think it's uh, all in his hands to be able to win this race. And I think what stood out to me uh, about his year so far is just the fact that he beat Kyle Busch in a, in his own equipment on a mile and a half track. And normally Kyle Busch goes out and wins these races uh, unless like he makes a mistake. He always wins uh, in the truck series. And I think the fact that he was actually able to get beaten in his own equipment by a younger driver, a driver that, you know, should be at least in Xfinity, I think that says a lot about uh, the ability of the driver when they get uh, into good equipment. So I think uh, John Hunter Nemechek has all the power in his hands to go and win this race. And I mean, I try to usually go different on the picks, but I mean, it's hard to disagree and say that uh, he wouldn't win this race. So I'm going to have to pick him here uh, to win this race, but Sheldon Creed, they just have to, for them to have a chance at the race, they have to have a good pace, of course, but I think they have to be able to keep up with the the track as it changes uh, throughout the race. And uh, if it comes down to green, white, and checker, and he's you know right right next to uh, Sheldon or right next to uh, John Hunter Neocek, going to have to use a lot of the side draft. He's right behind him on a late race restart, going to have to get a better jump, get uh, out of second gear quicker into third and fourth, uh, and then uh, try to make it three wide into the corner if possible and get uh, Nemechek out of his groove there uh, going in the corner. So uh, stuff like that could happen, but ultimately I think uh, this is going to be a race that John Henry Nemechek wins. Yeah, and we'll get in all that in regards to all the results that happen at uh, Las Vegas next week. On the GSP, I'll be remiss if I don't mention uh, the Carolina Nationals NHRA uh, they'll be running in St. Louis this weekend, actually. Their playoffs are going on. Josh Hart won in top fuel. Tim Wilkerson in funny car after winning Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. Kyle Koretsky wins his first career pro stock race, uh, pro stock car race. Angel Sampay wins her first uh, pro stock motorcycle race in a while uh, for Vance and Ian Suzuki not Vance and Hines, Harley, or Buell. So that was interesting, as they'll be racing at St. Louis and Gateway um, this coming weekend to continue their uh, playoff situation there. 
All right, moving on to NFL Week 2. As Josh mentioned earlier, uh, the uh, Urban Meyer experiment has started out 0-2 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, On the flip side, the San Francisco 49ers had a tight battle with the Philadelphia Eagles. One o'clock game, East Coast game, but they come out on top uh, going and uh, holding Jalen Hurts under 300 uh, total total or scrimmage yards, which is rare in his early NFL career. So something to be said about that. In terms of fantasy, Josh won the week in the league with the highest point total, beating me by 15.2 points. So he gets a weekly win W. Um, when it comes to the the two-way standings, he's actually in third, I think, in regards to the regular standings for uh, the league. You're pretty much, I think, you're in the top two or three or four or some crap. Um, I'm going to go in there and just get into that. Uh, two... Fired coin, 2022 Olympics. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm in yeah. third place, I think, overall. The league standings going into this week. Yeah, the, well, the Yankees actually won a game. That's, that's a miracle. Uh, uh, considering they're shitting the bed. Uh, and the Mets are getting their ass kicked by Boston. Super. Uh, live sports uh, re- reaction here on the um, GSP. Josh will um, be second right now. He'll be going in, and he's only second by 0.5 of a point. Uh, the difference in points against is 1.4 also. So it's a very tight battle between him and Wilson. Uh, so um, Wilson will be playing Vic in a battle of guys who listen to the fantasy footballers. Uh, Joe, who's been the unluckiest of of losers so far the defending champion oh and two but has had points that could have put him at two and oh be playing yeah. against my boy demi uh manny with luck and that's it because he can't even pick his team or check his team is two and oh he'll be playing uh nikki i'll be playing professor j uh, josh will be playing luke and uh in week three i'll uh i'll let you go first josh in regards to uh, your actual team and your fantasy teams and then we'll i'll get into my thing before we get into your sim segment yeah i mean i think for the real team of course the jags uh they had they had an opportunity i guess to i don't know if to win but certainly the first you know the first offensive drive went out and got a touchdown but then after that, they had nothing, and it looks like you know overall the Jaguars' offense is out of sync. Uh, Trevor Lawrence dropping, dropping back and uh, throwing inaccurate balls, a lot of uncatchable balls, and then some of the receivers not getting open or getting separation, and then uh, you know receivers dropping passes also. So all of that uh, comes into play. Uh, Jaguars' offensive line seems to look good on paper, not giving up a lot of sacks and uh, pressures, but then uh, I, th- I feel like maybe if you look at the tape a little bit better, 
or a little bit more. I think um, the offensive line not getting, it seems like they're getting pushed back into, you know, Trevor Lawrence or James Robinson. So I think that's maybe where a lot of the issues stem for the Jags, just not having a good offensive line overall. Uh, need to see a lot more dominant play out of them. I mean, they're not horrible, but uh, they're not helpful either uh, in their play. Um, so that's something to look out for. I mean, they did uh, seem to be, for the most part, do a little bit better job but uh, than they did in the first game against Houston. But I think overall, I think that's the play that or the uh, section of the team that uh, needs to improve the most outside of the quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, this week uh, defensively. Um, stopping the run, uh, I mean, they seem to be okay stopping the run, but got to generate a lot of pass rush. Uh, they get a lot of pressure, but they don't figure out how to get, you know, get home to the quarterback. Uh, of course, uh, there's just a, a lot, a lot left to be desired there. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Of course, looks like maybe it might be the swan song for Josh Lambeau, missed two field goals, missed, uh, all his field goals to start the year. Uh, and then of course for, uh, for Lambeau, I mean, he he's been automatic, but then all of a sudden, not sure what happened to him. Not sure if he's hurt. Not sure if he's got some mental issues going on in the back of his mind. Uh, so uh, sucks because I mean he's a genuine dude. I, you know I've had him sign a ball before at training camp. He's a really nice guy. So uh, you know he's got supposed to be the guy that everybody likes, but you know they're gonna have to probably find somebody from off the street or something uh, to replace him and and stuff. So I mean they should have tried out some guy this week, but I don't think they did. But I think if he has another bad performance, they're definitely going to look uh, a lot more into finding somebody to try out and potentially uh, give the starting job or well, the kicking job to uh, Josh Lambo there. So a lot left to be desired, a lot left to be desired there. Uh, we'll go talk about in college really briefly. The Florida Gators uh, had a chance to win against Alabama, made mistakes in the first quarter, but uh, ended up coming back almost to beat Alabama. Uh, then they could have tied the game at the end, uh, but then they missed the two-point conversion, uh, trying to go for a read option, hanging off the, the running back. Uh, Emory Jones could have had a chance to maybe kept the ball on the zone read and go to the end zone, but uh, kind of uh, had a funky handoff, kind of delaying, delaying, delaying to the uh, uh, running back, uh, and then he got tackled short of the goal line. So uh, didn't tie the game there, but then on defense, they couldn't get a stop to uh, stop Alabama and get the ball back uh, into the end zone. So um, for, for the Gators, a uh, close loss, but it shows they can be competitive against a tough opponent in the SEC uh, like Alabama. So if uh, they if they win uh, the Florida-Georgia game later in the year, uh, I think uh, Alabama and Florida will match up again in the SEC uh, championship game uh, later in the year. And that would decide probably who goes to the college football playoffs there. So a lot to look forward to, even though in a loss, that's what you want to see in a loss. I mean, overall, don't really care about the wins and losses. It's more about how you played in the uh, in the game, if you were competitive or not, and that's what matters most to me. I mean, for the Jags, they lost, uh, not competitive. Gators, they lost, they were competitive. So uh, yin and yang there. But um, in fantasy, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, two and zero in this league. My other league, one and zero. I my other league did pick up the Panthers defense, and I think I'm going to start them uh, tomorrow night against uh, Houston Texans, starting rookie quarterback there. So it should be uh, interesting. Uh, matchup uh, there and expect the Panthers to uh, dominate as they have uh, the first two games of the season. And, you know, I think for, for this matchup in our league, uh, we'll see what happens. Could be an easy win, but, you know, things could happen. Um, especially, I mean, kind of shaky on Saquon Barkley. 
Uh, I mean, he's supposed to be uh, projected to score really high in his first game back, but not sure how he will do, you know, his, in his first game back uh, from fully, I guess, yeah, fully from injury where he's going to be taking most of the snaps as the running back uh, uh, there. And then, um, yeah, Lamar Jackson, as long as he doesn't throw too many interceptions, should be fine there. Uh, then we'll see what happens uh, uh, for there. So looking forward, uh, you know, as usual, to play uh, this week in fantasy and you know, all my leagues and you know, hopefully come out on top. Yeah, and for me, uh, recovery week after brutal week one in the fall brawl league uh, to come back and get a victory there against Nikki, score a lot of points. Uh, it's kind of like the bowl league this week where well, like shit, resetting my my uh, handicap in the Monday league, but then came back yesterday and bowled pretty good, and we won all seven points, so it kind of felt the same way. In the Nipper league, I'm the defending champion, won week one, destroyed, got destroyed in week two. Like Josh, went and picked up Carolina defense in that other league. Uh, I picked up the Carolina defense in my third league that I'm playing in that I'm not had a competitive team so far in two weeks. Uh, so looking to see what Darnold on the offensive side, what they can do, but then also what that defense will be able to do against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans, the Cully Ray Rogers um, out there. And if they're going to have any chance, uh, you know, in terms of the Niners, as I said, beating Philly, uh, was a big deal to go and main, maintain momentum. They'll be going against A.A. Rod Rogers and A.A. Ron Jones at uh, uh, the, uh, what is it, the Gene Dome this week on Sunday Night Football. And so that'll be, that'll be um, cool to see. Um, how that works and how everything goes. Oh, wow. That's what it is. Oh, I see. Um, and you go and, and if they can go and make it 3-0, and um, Rodgers hasn't he had a rough week one. Week two, he came back and did work on Monday Night Football. But that pass rush um, has, is relatively healthy. You have Bosa, you have Ford. Uh, he's had at the Levi Stadium's kind of been a house of horrors for Aaron Rodgers. So can he exorcise those demons and um, come through? Or will Jimmy G and company go and get another win, continue that, get to 3-0 and in a very tough NFC West? Um, wide receivers, Debo Samuels, one of the leading receivers in the league. Running back situation's kind of murky, but, you know, Elijah Mitchell right now is still the starter. Uh, you know, GK hasn't really done much. Left side of the offensive line, of course, with Trent Williams, Alex Mack as a center, uh, two of the best there is. I mean, Trent Williams basically the best tackle in the league. Of course, mentioned the defensive line. They are key because – if Aaron Rodgers has time, that's for any – but really with Aaron Rodgers, that secondary is very vulnerable. Uh, Jared Goff proved that a couple weeks ago. So we will see what happens with that. Lenore, the rookie, 
has played well, but still, um, the safeties don't know how to cover, so you could beat them over the top, down the middle. Bob Tanyan, even though Fred, uh, big play Fred, or big play Dre are out there, you can still get them on the inside. Randall Cobb might have a good game. So, all to play for, two of the better teams in the NFC for sure. So it'll be an interesting Sunday night football matchup. The primetime games in general so far this year have been all that bad. So we'll get into all that. How about uh, this talk about your uh, sim deal, Josh? How are things going on on iRacing and uh, what you're doing there? And what are you um going to or what are you looking at this week in regards to um, any racing whether it's indycar nascar or something else yeah i mean i actually lately haven't been on i racing as much i just had you know other other things to do but uh one piece of news that i would like to bring up is that uh, i racing has made a deal with uh, mercedes f1 and they will be uh, making the uh, F1 car that Mercedes uh, has this year, so the uh, 2021 W12 uh, Mercedes car, and then next year's uh, Formula One car that they'll be racing in 2022 under the new regulations. And so that's going to be interesting. Uh, I racing they they haven't made a uh, Formula One uh, race car since 2016 with uh, the McLaren like MP430, I think uh, that's the car that was uh, that they last made that was from an F1 team. Uh, and I think yeah, over over the winter they released a, a fantasy F1 car called the uh, Delara uh, IR1, IR01, and that's uh, basically like a high horsepower, low downforce uh, combination. Kind of sounds like the old Champ cars from the 90s, uh, but it's got uh, kind of more of the F1 style to it uh, there. So it's kind of more you know on the lines of like the F2004 uh, ish kind of like that. So. Um, I think what'll be interesting is once those cars get released, uh, what what will the handling be like uh, in the car? What you know, people, the participation in these races, uh, what it, that's going to be like? Uh, if there's going to be a lot of people at first participating, but they can't get a, a handle on it, and then uh, drops to maybe only a couple of people participating in each room uh, or each race. Uh, I think that's something to uh, look at. I mean, we have. Uh, F1 drivers like Lando Norris, uh, Max Verstappen, both of them uh, very uh, veterans at uh, iRacing. I'm sure there's other F1 drivers or even guys like uh, Romain Grosjean, who's had F1 experience in the past. Uh, what will they think when they have a chance to drive this once the game is released or once that new content is released? Um, uh, do they like it or is it going to be a thing like uh, the criticism that's been laid at the iRacing IndyCar last year, especially when we had uh, the pandemic and everybody was uh, iRacing instead of real racing, you know, like Connor Daly had issues with uh, the car handling. Uh, Scott Dixon had issues with it. So uh, I think those comments, especially like uh, in a stream, uh, when they're streaming themselves while they're racing uh, online, especially with Lando, I know Lando's big into it, uh, the Twitch stuff as well. Uh, if he has any comments about the handling of the car uh, on iRacing. So uh, that that's going to be something to look out for uh, coming in the next year and does uh, uh, help maybe get people interested on the F1 side into iRacing, you know, that 
uh, not a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of F1 people that are into iRacing probably, but I mean, sure, it's a, especially with the new car and with uh, Mercedes, I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest there. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And then as far as what I'm doing this week, uh, I think, I'll, I don't know, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing with uh, 87 car, the uh, IndyCar, I have to look at the schedule. I think 87 is at Hickory Speedway, which is a new track, new short track that's been released. And uh, I want to say I oh, IndyCar, the road series is at Long Beach, and then the Oval Series uh, is at Nashville. Uh, so maybe maybe do the um, Long Beach one, get a little bit of experience there on that track. Uh, although that track is a little bit hard on, on performance because uh, there's so much stuff that the game has to render. Uh, so uh, I'll try, try to see what I can do there. But yeah, that's what I've been doing on sim racing. And of course, the video game stuff, which I've been mostly playing, been, been playing a lot of Madden. You know, playing as the Jags, playing as people uh, against other people online. You know, gotta gotta live out the fantasy, I guess. And try to at least if your real team isn't winning in real life, gotta try and see if you can win in the video game. And you know, been been making been making a lot of people quit. I mean, at first it was just me being really bad, but I feel like I've started to get the hang of it again in Madden. And um, you know, I've been making a lot of people rage quit lately. Just um, stack up the points in the first half, third quarter, and then fourth quarter comes and they throw another pick or. Or I score another TD and there I go, yeah, I'm out, quit. So we'll see what happens. Rage quitting. That's uh, <laughs> that's always the thing in sim uh, and in gaming. Uh, rage quitting is something that seems to happen in NASCAR too. Uh, so something we'll see with that. Um, it's also something that could happen as a Jags fan, considering having to watch Urban Meyer coaching the team. Uh, the way he's doing so far, it would make me want to rage quit. But um, Josh is more patient than I am. Um, I have had plenty of times to rage quit over the past two decades or so as a 49er fan. So I have full understanding of that. Um, yeah, so guess uh, that's the end here for this episode of the GSP. Uh where can we follow you, Josh, uh, not only for your streaming, but also on social media? Yeah, of course, as always, you know, go through the Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash retailer2. That's where all the iRacing stuff will be. Uh, try to maybe stream some other games that I'm doing as well, so you can see that. You'll get a little variety and stuff, so it's not always iRacing. Uh, and then, of course, with socials, uh, follow uh, Twitter at uh, JP Huffine and try to you know, tweet about the racing this weekend, probably tweet about the Jags and all that stuff, the Gators as well, and uh, you know, have good good discussion on there, good banter, so always looking forward to it. And for me, you could follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, you can follow our show at Grip Strip Pod, capital G, capital S, capital P, on Twitter. Uh, Gripster Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Pandora, basically anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can find the Gripster Podcast, um, philipgmatthew.com. Uh, you can find uh, the podcast every single week. I'll be talking about racing, talking about football. I'm on my Instagram, Philip G. Matthew 28, probably talking about bowling. Uh, 
because that's my one of my passions. I'm not going to be some sort of major league athlete, but I love bowling, um, love car racing, love um, things going fast. So it's uh, all good. Hoping the Niners can go um, three and zero. And uh, on Sunday night football, definitely be watching that. And we'll see what happens with all that. See if Jacksonville can get their first win of the year. Um, so then, and how we'll be doing in fantasy football in general. I got three teams hoping to get one to their first win, keep uh, the momentum going in the fall brawl league, and get back on the winning track on another. We'll give you all of that. We'll review the. Uh, Formula One at Putendrome, IndyCar, Long Beach Grand Prix. We'll review uh, NASCAR at Vegas, preview all the races that will come up uh, next week, and whatever else comes along here um, as we go on between now and the next episode of the Ripster Podcast. Take care of yourself. Take care of one another. People that matter to you most, uh, don't be super ignorant in regards to certain things. Uh, we're not out of the woods in certain areas in certain ways. So you can just think of one another or think of what matters to you most and really care about that. And think of other people, think about your fellow man or woman uh, in society, the way things are when things have become very insular and um, very individualistic. It'd be a good thing uh, so that you know, we can have the freedoms that we should have. And, uh, yep, with that, for Josh, I'm Phil. Episode 79 of Gripshire Podcast. Thank you for listening uh, each and every week or whenever you do listen, however you listen. And um, we'll see you next time. Take care.